0: Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to
1: emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist. To focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hey folks and
0: welcome to this week's edition of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm Patch and with me ready to drop a Hades bomb on this week's film is my best friend and co-host Aaron. Ooh, are you saying that this podcast is going to be fire? (laughs) If we're talking about a hip hop movie, yeah, maybe, but uh, we're talking about a 1984 (laughs) aircraft movie. And people are going to just run
1: right into the podcast burning hot and (laughs) fall over because of the (laughs) fire? Anyway,
0: hello. (laughs) Yeah. I thought maybe my (laughs) intro was going to allude to the fact that we're going to just criticize this thing, but that's not what we do. So if if you know what we're covering, obviously by. Downloading the episode and seeing the title, then you know we're not going to rip this one apart. We will acknowledge its faults, which it has some, but we will also get into the groove of what we always do, which is talk about the movies we love, because that's who we are, and that's what we do. So there's your bomb. Boom.
1: Hades bomb. We picked it for a reason. I mean, we're (laughs) only covering... (laughs) If it's not a brand new release that we had high expectations for already, it's something that we liked. That's the thing. So... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Come along.
0: To make it official, we are still in the 80s, and we are hitting a childhood favorite of ours, Iron Eagle, in anticipation of Top Gun Maverick, releasing just around the corner. But before we head to the skies, Aaron, what have you been up to this past week, man?
1: Well, I want to say something about the cool tie-in that occurred this past week for me between Iron Eagle and the previous movie that we covered in The Last Starfighter. I don't remember if we discussed it on the podcast for The Last Starfighter or not, but at some point, either we talked about it or afterwards, my roommate and I talked about it, but Ernest Klein's book, Armada, came up. And Ernest Klein is the author of Ready Player One. He wrote this book, Armada, in between Ready Player One and Ready Player Two. For some weird reason, I had never read it. I think I'd heard that it was very generic and it wasn't that interesting. And so I just was like, bounced off of it for some reason. Well, anyway, I was told that it's basically the last Starfighter. And that sort of had me compelled to go check it out. And especially coming off of our last episode and having watched behind the scenes making up documentaries, I was just totally in the mood. So I went ahead and got the book. I started listening to it, Patrick. And this book, not only is it written exactly in the this is going to sound like a criticism. The somewhat amateuristic, childish way that Ready Player One is written in—I mean, it sounds just like Ready childlike. Player One, child-like. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, listen, <laughs> Ernest Klein <laughs> is not—he's not, a, he's not <laughs> the great author that J.R.R. Tolkien was. Okay, <laughs> all I'm trying to say is like his command of the English language is not. That's not why we're going to Ernest Klein's books. It's sure. for nostalgia so right it's written just like ready player one it's characters it's romance like dude you basically could just like transport plots in a lot of ways but the cool thing is it is built off of like this mashup of three movies i have found and i have been blazing through this book i absolutely love it it's essentially the last starfighter plus iron eagle <laughs> plus ender's game and I have been giddy listening to this book. Will Wheaton reads it on the audiobook just like he did Ready Player One. That's another reason it, it basically just sounds like you're listening to the same characters. Anyway, huge fan. The Iron Eagle tie-ins. There's some very on-the-nose, like very, very obvious ones. And then there are some subtle ones that I have discovered and didn't really, I didn't connect the dots until I rewatched Iron Eagle for the podcast. And then I was like, oh my gosh, he made this thing a, a name or whatever in the book, and it's referring back to Iron Eagle, even though he doesn't call it out. And I like that. I, you know, there's a lot of his references. He is very specific. He's like, he tells you what he's doing. But there's some that are, you're only going to get them if you're a little bit deeper of a fan of the things that he is riffing on. And so, anyway, I've been just loving this book. It is the perfect combination with this string of episodes. And we decided together that because of that we would just go ahead and after top gun maverick we have a week of a home movie to pick before we hit the theater for a little bit of the summer and so we're just going to do ender's game and round it all out and it's just going to synergize and i'm in a happy place man i'm in a happy place i am too these are
0: all good movies uh, i'm excited about armada i've gotten my copy ready to queue up for this next week this audiobooks um, that I get excited about, I, I lose some excitement because of how short my commute is to work. And I'm nearing the end of my son's school year, which means now I don't have to drive him to school after this week, which is sad because now this book comes up and I'm like, great. I only have a week to enjoy my longer commute back to the office, but I will try to make it a point to dive into a chapter in at night if I can, just kind of put my headphones on before I go to bed and say, here, let's do this. Do donuts in the parking
1: lot or, you know, <laughs> no, 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 volunteer gas being to go to the grocery that. store. Oh, that's true, actually. I yeah, was going to say just- volunteer to go to the grocery store, but <laughs> heck, grocery store prices are, I don't know go for a walk to be like Lane Meyer
0: I'm better <laughs> off dead sitting in the garage with my with
1: I gotta my go out and get the out. mail honey I'll be back in an hour <laughs> <laughs> got lost
0: it's a long walk to the uh to the thing actually speaking of walks what I, what I probably could do is I do I walk a couple times a week I'll probably just do that it's all cue, I'll queue it up
1: on, on my walks that should be that's what I used to do when I was to. yeah. Walk in the track when Tyler was at soccer practice, and I just had. When you were to do walking
0: the track with Tyler,
1: no, with, I wasn't. Christopher wa- walking the track. I was just, <laughs> just normal walk walking in.
0: In the track. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I have to throw it in there because I love my Christopher walking, and hopefully our listeners do to too. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well. <laughs> Sorry, I'll get back on track here <laughs> if I can. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you giving me that recommendation. I spent a little bit of last week, I was off for some decompression. I spent last week on vacation, got a chance to just kind of catch up on some things. I dove into more of the uh, Stanley Parable, the what the remastered, crazy, extravagant, whatever it's called now, basically the souped up version of it. I would played it back in 2014, whenever it first came out. And uh, you had mentioned it to me to uh, to check out. So I've been doing a little bit of that which is a lot of fun. I also played a little bit of golf and I guess you could call it playing golf. I really just kind of rode around in the golf cart and hit balls because that was about the extent of my playability. Like it was bad. I know that I'm not great. But when I play with my brother who's a good golfer, I can usually hang with him. You know, I'm usually two strokes behind him most holes. This was just awful. Like I was not hitting at all. So it really just became a conversation uh opportunity for me to catch up with a friend of mine for 18 holes so that was good and then um in light of our last starfighter episode i went ahead and bought the blu-ray that has all those crazy special features and so i watched several of the little documentaries that that came with it including the how it was made the conversation with the girl who played maggie a little kind of it's called maggie's memories but kind of her perspective on it and i just you know like you i love stuff like that And uh, in that same vein, I also, on Friday, picked up a book called the uh, Welcome to Dunder Mifflin, the Ultimate Oral History of the TV Series, and it's by uh, Brian Bumgarner, who played Kevin on The Office, if you're familiar with the U.S. version of The Office. But I'm only about 40 or 50 pages into it, and it's really just a series of interviews where he talks about how the show got started, he interviews the the showrunner Greg Daniels who I love from King of the Hill and it's just been fast just absolutely fantastic to read. I really that's a book that I don't want to put down. <laughs> so, if I have to divide my time between that and Armada, I will have to take walks because if I'm going to be sitting down, it's going to be reading that book. So, it's it's been really good. I've enjoyed that quite a Perfect. bit. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's good
1: good pairing, two very different things.
0: Yes. <laughs> Definitely good things. So, that being said, we are now into spoiler territory for this movie. Please go watch it. I believe you mentioned at this point it's is it on HBO Max. Is that where it's streaming it currently? It is. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Along with, you know, purchasing it or renting it at other places, you can get it for quote free if you are <laughs> paying for the streaming service. So, go do it and enjoy it. All righty. Okay. So, I want to get this out of the way first. I hinted at it. This movie isn't great by any stretch of the imagination. Um, When I watched it with Krisha last night, she had vague recollections of the movie. She remembered it a little bit. I had to remind her that it's the movie that inspires Johnny Lawrence in the Netflix series Cobra Kai in the first season, which I thought was kind of interesting because one of the guys that plays the Eagles gang in the gang, there are actually two characters in this movie, were members of Cobra Kai in the 1984 movie. So I thought that was kind of interesting that he's watching a movie that inspires him in which ca- in which case the characters that are in it, the actors that play those characters are also in <laughs> in the original Karate Kid. So little meta for you there, a little trivia. But I know that it's not good. In fact, I think the studio when they were going to release this, they were going to do it during the summer of 86. And it happened to be the same summer that Top Gun was going to come out, and they actually pushed up the release date to January in anticipation of Top Gun. However, there's a lot to like about this, and we can throw nostalgia as one of the main reasons, but I wanted to really open up the conversation and talk about why. So for me, this was definitely a movie that I grew up watching on a regular basis, and This is what I think is great about watching older movies, Aaron, is you don't have that comparison of like box office numbers. You're not thinking about that when you're a kid. You're thinking about this is a fun movie and this is why I'm watching Mortal Kombat from the 1990s and I'm not thinking about, is this making a ton of money? (laughs) I mean, as adults, that's what we think about as movie critics. We're thinking about that. And I think that for us to the 80s, the age that we are, these movies stand out because They are nostalgic, but part of it is because we're not tainted by the fact that, oh, well, it wasn't as good as blah, or it doesn't hold up because it doesn't do this. And I think that's where the spirit of our podcast lives, is the fact that we're really kind of looking at films on their own merit, not in comparison to something else. I know it's hard to do that, especially when you have movies like Top Gun that we're going to be talking about next week or its sequel and also the fact that this did release the same year. But I think for me, what I thought was great about Iron Eagle is it like The Last Starfighter, it's one of these smaller adventure stories that doesn't have to do a lot with its plot, with its characters. There are definitely some lines that Doug says that I'm like, eeh, wow, that's not good. <laughs> but the the plot is simple. The narrative is simple. The story is very much something that's digestible. You don't have to be fully invested in all these characters you can just enjoy these stereotypes of characters that exist you know from the very beginning we have this kind of gang rivalry where you have doug and the eagles versus notcher and his gang and i thought that's kind of cool because we're used to that we see that in the karate kid with johnny's gang so there's familiarity with that also you know tommy from the karate kid is one of the gang members of of notcher's crew and we also get this idea of a street race, which I absolutely love. you know we were big on the Fast and the Furious, and we get the street race in the air and on the ground, which is something that I'd never seen and so watching this as an like an eight nine ten year old I thought this is really cool. I've never seen this kind of approach to seeing you know gang street fights or street racing that kind of stuff, so there's definitely familiarity repackaging. There's this leaning into the the east of the world and that kind of stereotypical, like how we would see the the Cold War and the Iron Curtain and those crazy Russians, what the 80s movies really kind of leaned into in terms of finding enemies. We get that. We get a mustache twirling guy from some pariah in a country that is not necessarily named but we assume it's like Saudi Arabia because there's mention of oil and things like that so all those things sort of come together for me to create this great little adventure that I don't have to think about to really enjoy I can just enjoy it for what it is enjoy it on its own merit and I think that's why I enjoy watching it on a repeatable basis because there's familiarity there's a fun cast there's lots of cool stuff going on, some interesting set pieces, uh, which we'll get into a little bit more later. But uh, for me, I mean, that's that's what i go back to, is that familiarity and that simplicity with it.
1: I like the simplicity angle, and I think that definitely is part of what I am drawn to about it as well. Real quick, I wanted to note that surprisingly it made more than its budget at the box office so it made 24 ish million on an 18 million budget but then it made 11 million in home video sales and so it was deemed successful essentially and i think those home video sales like this is the movie that we would discover because we saw the poster with lewis gossett jr in a flight suit and doug masters looking ridiculous by 2022 standards on this poster where he's standing there with his sunglasses on and his mullet and he just it's it's bad but it is attractive to the eyes in a way that is like it grabs your attention and so i'm pretty sure that's how we discovered it patrick is we would have seen this on the shelf at not even blockbuster because this would be before blockbuster for the most part like the little corner yeah. home video store that we would go to mom and pop shop and we'd be like oh my gosh what's it oh my gosh this is a high school dude and he flies a jet to save his dad from the bad middle eastern people like holy crap like that that is every kid's dream and i think the fact that you know if you're comparing to top gun for one thing top gun is more of a this is a dream for my career fantasy this is more, I said this to you last night, of like a legit just strict fantasy. Like it's not a dream. It is a fantasy. Nothing in this movie happens. This is not even just unrealistic to me. This is impossible. (laughs) It would not happen, period. This is not gonna happen. And so it's like that sort of complete suspension of disbelief. Top Gun is not like that. Top Gun is like, oh yeah, if I was ever to truly be an incredible aviator, that's what Top Gun is. You you dream of being an astronaut. You dream of being a fighter pilot. This is a high school kid who's dreaming of it just getting to do it. And I think that is part of why we loved it and we grew up loving it is because we were like, man, that's literally me. That could be me. I could be an eagle in a club and it makes it feel like we could achieve these things. And so yeah. I think it's easy to gravitate towards that. And that's part of why I think it doesn't hold up for me as an adult in the same way is because now I am watching it through these adult eyes and man, I just, yeah, like I don't love the casting. I don't love the acting. I don't love the dialogue. There's portions of it that I just completely cringe at and roll my eyes at. But what I still love overall is the, the big plot points, if that makes sense. So when I'm watching it, beat for beat i'm like (laughs) to a lot of things a lot of things (laughs) like 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 the middle eastern portray like these are not things you would have thought about at the time but when i think about iron eagle as a whole and i'm like the like if you were to write it out like on a plot outline and you were like kid finds out his dad has been shot down or kid has race through a canyon in Cessna plane versus motorcycle like like if it was a pitch right you know random group of military base kids pull together to steal intel set up fighter jet and like all of the things that they accomplish on paper just the plot happenings itself to me is like uh, it's candy i love it it's so good and so execution of it absolutely could be better but in the end i still have that nostalgia for it and when i still like the plot i still like the way it plays out and you can't beat a good relationship as long as there's like one central to a film relationship that build is built upon throughout the story you're gonna usually get your claws in me and so we get it we get it with Dug and Chappie, and it's memorable, and that will override all of my criticisms right. because it it makes you care about those characters in the end, and that's the biggest challenge for movies for me. Like you can do all this other stuff wrong, and I may criticize you, I may not like it, but as long as you did this one thing, then I'm going to overall have a positive experience, which I do with
0: Iron Eagle. Yeah, and I think if you took this movie's premise. Obviously, tweaking the setting, and you made it like a space opera, I think it would probably be equally as sellable because when you put stuff in space, you forgive a lot of the craziness. Like, as you mentioned, nobody's ever going to believe that some high school senior is going to be able to do everything that Doug Masters does. The movie does a good job at setting up the realism, the validity of what he's doing. He talks about spending a lot of time in the simulator, he actually goes out on a training mission. I love the fact that he uses music to keep his rhythm. I thought that was a really cool kind of character trait of his. But I also think about this year that the movie came out. Obviously Top Gun dominated in 86, but I'm going through Box Office Mojo and I'm looking at some of the other movies that came out. Back to School, The Karate Kid Part 2, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Stand By Me, The Jewel of the Nile, Police Academy 3. These are movies that I love that I think are great to go back to. Tonally, I think they're kind of all over the place, but they all have some implausibility to them. And so I think that the 80s, as sort of a broader commentary, gave us the opportunity to explore those movies in a semi-realistic setting with unrealistic narratives. And I think Iron Eagle speaks to that because it speaks to, as kids, we're like, dude, that would be so cool to be able to Get up in an F sixteen, go overseas and perform this amazing rescue operation. It would never happen. But the events of Police Academy three, back in training, would never happen. The events of, you know, short circuit, a robot comes to life and becomes sentient. Well, maybe oh, no. that would happen. Don't you dare!
1: Yeah, you darn right it could happen. Yeah, number five
0: alive. <laughs> Why have we not covered that? But I don't know the, Put it on the list <laughs> because. Yeah, because we're not an '80s podcast, unfortunately. We have friends for that. Shout out Retro Rewind. Anyway, call Adam. So we'll I, do short circuit. Yeah, absolutely. We'll bring him on. So I look at I look at a movie like this, and I think that when you watch this, what it does well is, as you mentioned, it creates those good relationships. And Doug and Chappie are believable. They have enough screen time together that. Louis Gossett Jr.'s performance is what carries this for me. It's definitely not Doug's movie. It's it's Chapman's movie because Louis Gossett is an established actor. He is one of these guys that even in that time period had that kind of charisma that I could believe that he flew planes. I could believe that he was a reservist that moonlighted as a mechanic who hang out with a guy named Slappy at a blues club and ate Italian food and within a three-day period was able to put this amazing plan together. Again, implausible, but not to a point where I'm like, I I just don't, I'm I'm thrown out of the movie because none of this would happen. Aaron, I know you were like me, like a lot of people who watch movies, they queue up IMDB and they see the trivia. I do this with almost every movie that I watch that's not brand new. I also do this for TV shows. I've been going through the Star Trek Voyager essential episode, and so I queue up the trivia for that. This is the one movie whose, I believe, the goofs section is 10 times longer than the trivia. Why? Because the <laughs> that section is pointing out everything that's technically inaccurate with this movie.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, maybe and they I, just decided to stop editing them out and left stuff in yeah, the <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is, if you ask any aviator, I work with military guys, And I say, hey, have you seen Iron Eagle? Half of them are going to say, no, what's that? And the half that do say, yeah, that was a pretty lame movie. But they're not going to feel disrespected because the Air Force was completely shown in a negative light or an unrealistic light. I think they're going to find more issue with a movie like Top Gun if they're Navy aviators or or Navy, Navy folks because Top Gun does that. Top Gun is very much about its accuracy. And you're not going to mispronounce Miramar. You're not going to do that. (laughs) You're actually going to see actual people saluting the correct rank. Things that did not happen in Iron Eagle. But I got to remember, I'm nine years old and I don't care when I'm watching this movie. I recently watched the trailer for it. I'd never seen the trailer, Aaron. And the tone of the trailer is so off the wall different than the tone of the movie. That I was like, this is not the movie that I'm seeing. In fact, I thought that's what made it a great trailer because it was like nothing I'll in have to the trailer to it this. It's so different. Like it feels so dramatic. And yes, there's a little bit of drama here, but it's a rock and roll adventure movie. It is an absolute action adventure fun. Like this is right up there with Sahara because you have characters that are very eccentric. You have these military guys who are overacting the portrayal of their 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 people i remember what, uh, reading one of the goof sections that said that i can't remember the two characters but it's the the overweight like margaret and somebody else during the uh the the mission the pre-mission montage where they're gathering all the intel <laughs> they'd say those folks would not be in their positions because they are grossly overweight and would not meet standards <laughs> but am i thinking about that no in fact, I did the when do
1: when I saw the colonel, when he went to talk to the colonel, and he's like Don't State I Department thinks about this. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> Good job, actually. But yeah, like no, his belly is like largely then again, yes. it's the it's the chair force. So Ooh. it's a little more on the believable side. This okay. isn't the navy, folks. This is the chair Whoa. force. Whoa. A dig by the former
0: Navy guy. <laughs> I'm gonna call you the yo-yo-yo man for that one dropping a bomb (laughs) I I like that actually that's pretty good (laughs) I can do that because I'm a civilian. anyway so I just I think watching this movie makes me feel good not because of its lack of realism because of the fact that it leans so heavily into let's just have some fun with this I never once felt like this is the air force that I want to feel like is the air force that represents me because as an adult, there's no way hope not. <laughs> that, that I'm going to put some 17 year old kid, uh, you know, put my fate in some 17 year old kid's hands. But the idea of that I think is something that is very much like a dream, very much like a, if you could, would you do that? Right. So I, I think that it's worth checking out. If you're, if you're a first timer coming into it, take that with, with, a grain of salt and just know that it's a lot like, well, you know, again, like Waterworld. I think we talked about that where it's it's a, it's a fun movie that you can enjoy knowing that it's not trying to do anything more than, than tell a good story. And sometimes we forget that. We feel like stories have to make some kind of deeper impact on us when in actuality, and maybe this is me forgiving Michael Bay in a nonchalant way. Movies can just be a lot of fun, and that's in and of itself a good thing. So Iron Eagle, for me, hits the fun factor in a way that uh, a lot of the 80s movies did for me, which is why I go back to them. But I think it's also the fact that I can, for about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, be Doug Masters sitting in that that seat of that F-16, which I think is a very cool plane, even though it wasn't an um, (laughs) F-16, and be able to just really enjoy everything about the mission now for me watching this movie i actually enjoyed everything leading up to the mission i I like the mission too i mean everything about the mission was cool but i always when i watch this movie love the the pre-planning love all the gathering of information and i think it's because i get a kick out of the 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 crew up you know the team actually being able to scout the base i thought that was kind of cool like i worked on a base for For a while, I know you being in the Navy, you obviously have experience working on bases. Some of that stuff was familiar to me, not stealing things, obviously, but being able to recognize, oh, yeah, the communications block, or this is where they keep all this stuff. And I think it's it's neat to be able to have a team of people like the Eagles who, for whatever reason, have all kind of become friends. I guess they've all grown up on this base. It's, I guess, one of those rare times when the parents of these kids haven't moved around a lot or they've been together for a long enough period of time that they have the ability to know where things are and so watching how they get the intelligence how they get the charts how they get all the the data while unbelievable is really entertaining the fact that they can go into different compartments of the base know how to do things it feels very much like a like a kid's version of Mission Impossible. They're not using any kind of gadgetry. They're actually just using kind of innovation. you got Milo who comes in and just hits like with the escape key or hits the F8 key. He knows that's going to screw up the computer. <laughs> and then she freaks out and she leaves and he's like, all right, we're going to do this. I, I I think that having, we're not going to take it over that whole sequence makes it just even better. And I'll just say this. I think the soundtrack is probably what, makes this movie a lot more fun than than others you've got queen you've got twisted sister you've got such a great kind of set of songs that drive the film and it keeps that rock and roll flavor going but that whole that whole bit about them gathering all the information i thought that was kind of cool i love their base their little hideout their clubhouse i think it's a bunker <laughs> and so it's just like i want to be a part of this gang that's kind of what i what I take away when I watch this movie is I want to be an Eagle. How do I do that? Do I need to have a parent in the air force? Do I need to be able to steal things? Cause I mean, I could probably make that happen if I need to, I just, you probably the, could the, the right, the right kind of connections, but you know, <laughs> my dad was in the Navy. So maybe, you know, maybe I could get in, you know, just indirectly. But, but yeah, I really enjoyed all that leading up to it. And of course that's all accented by Doug and Chappie being able to, talk through some of that data, the whole bit with him making Doug run and then them going to eat Italian. I always like that whole sequence where he's using the, I guess it's a cheese plate or an Italian plate to kind of talk about how he's going to do the do the tactics. And of course- He eats pepperoni. He
1: it, eats pepperoni. You Knock out this olive. Knock
0: out these So it's that kind of, deli- those lines that just really are are so memorable to me that I'm like, when I go to a pizza joint, I'm like, can I get some pepperonis and olives? Because I really want to reenact- what doug and chappy were gonna do when they take out that olive, take out that pepperoni you think i'm prejudiced or something you know it's just it's, yeah. it's so much it's, fun and it's, it's very memorable it is memorable
1: i agree wholeheartedly i think that's one of the funny things about this one for me is that it is so memorable and i always remember it more fondly than when i'm watching it like i said it's sort of i'm kind of rolling my eyes in the moment but get me a month away from now and I'll be like, man, I remember that crew up. It's so good. But in the moment, I actually don't even love it that much. I do like the crew up a little bit. I like the, I like that's one of the few songs that I think works really well for me. I'm not as big on this soundtrack at all. On the whole, it's a little bit lesser of, I don't know. Like for example, Top Gun just feel, maybe it's just because I love Top Gun, the movie, but everything felt Like the song was the perfect song for those moments. This just felt a little bit off to me at times. It felt like any old 80s movie with an 80s soundtrack, whereas some of them work, some of them don't. You know, the fact that he has the tape cassette deck, modded tape cassette deck, stuck to his leg, too, it is not cool. It is (laughs) really dorky. It is gigantic (laughs) and dorky. I was explaining to Tyler about it while we were watching. I was like, so just imagine like this is before compact discs and he's like well, what's a compact disc you know and i'm like okay we got to go way back here uh <laughs> no he didn't really say that but i felt like he was thinking it anyway it is really crazy how he does it and it, it's neat though because it gives him personality right and that's what it is meant to do is to give character development to this kid is something that calms him down in the moment and set up the future and the ability for Chappie to leave him a tape, which is a great, great moment in this movie, like the critical moment. If there is, if there was a connecting point, it would be that moment when he listens to the tape from Chappie. I think. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, I like the crew up episode. I'm torn on it somewhat, just because I can't help but be a military guy and think to myself, "What is happening? Like, how in the world are they? This is not." possible but it's fun (laughs) it is fun I think that the villain you know Nacho and his crew are awful and I would prefer if we got the Cessna versus motorcycle scene with no dialogue like I just want to watch it when I watch it it is awesome and it really is like it's a cool sequence but like the lead up to it it's so it's so dumb I mean it's so it's dumb like who does that so even when Chappie meets him, he's like randomly just working on this kid's plane. That's never explained, by the way. He's just there. He just happens to be working on his plane. And he's like, you know, they're going to go run and fly the, the snake. And, and he knows that another kid just died and, on the freaking face of the mountain recently. And he just lets him go. I mean, I, just there's just, I don't know. It's just wild. But it's fun to watch. <laughs> and that's what matters, right? The most. Absolutely. It, And and, and Red Dawn has some of these problems, too. I love Red Dawn. But when you rewatch Red Dawn, some of the dramatic parts of that movie are very much kind of like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm, I remember them shooting Russians and yelling Wolverines and riding horses through the snow with machine gun fire." I don't remember all this random, like, romance stuff, you know, like, it doesn't all perfectly (laughs) hold up either. Anyway, so that stuff is fun. But yeah, for me, it's the opposite. It's not the lead up. The lead up is kind of my let's get through this part. I love it once we are going. Once it's a go and they're getting in the F 16s to fly off, like I like the mission part. I'm the military guy, you know, I want to see things blowing up and I love watching them just in the air. When they're in the cockpit, it's obviously very different, especially if you've watched Top Gun. Recently, because, I mean, Tom Cruise was in the cockpit. Tom Cruise flies the jets in Maverick, you know, and times, and they have cameras in the jets in Top Gun. That was not what was happening in Iron Eagle. It's very obviously (laughs) that that's not the case. But I love some of the actual aerial photography in this film. Top Gun actually has, it reuses the same scene over and over and over a lot. It's awesome scene. But Iron Eagle has a lot more variance, I would say, in its movement and dogfighting maneuvers that it does show. And and I like watching that no matter what. You're gonna get my attention there. And just it's just fun to watch him go through the process of, you know, taking out the runway and then having to dogfight. I mean, this is like I I bought a game just this weekend because I've been such in the mood. It's called Ace Combat Seven and it's a fighter pilot video game and my son and I are like flying missions all weekend and we were doing this I mean we were flying through a canyon taking out anti-air missiles and sams and blowing up oil rigs and taking out control towers and such and then we had a dogfight because they got planes off the ground and it you know it's, it's this movie in a nutshell, and it was so much fun to kind of reenact that, and I think that's what Iron Eagle does for me, is it just, just, it gives you that excitement factor, man, like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know that these movies could, there's a ceiling, is what I'm saying, or, sorry, there's a high floor for these type of movies for me, because I just love the action of them and the concept of them so much that it doesn't take a lot, and and I really dig that second half, man, with Chappie and Doug flying in, and and then Doug having to do it on his own and getting his dad and getting out of there, and it's mm-hmm. yeah, it all works for me. I mean, it just it really does.
0: Yeah, there's some there's some really cool tension in both the so assassin sequence and in the the mission that I thought was probably more of the mature moments with with the movie. So you have, obviously, that that moment with Chappie on the tape. And this is where I thought the score was kind of nice, where it was just that p- that piano playing in the background, where I thought, like, in the, se- the Cessna sequence, when the, I guess, the oil did something, and the manifold is, I can't, I don't know, it's some aerial nonsense that I can't understand. But Doug's engine is going to seize, so seeing the smoke come out of the plane kind of amplified the cool aerial shots that we're seeing and i'm the opposite of you i thought the music worked really well here because again the whole movie feels like a rock and roll movie and i think that like a lot of 80s movies you're going to have those kind of hairband type things i thought inside the the sim with one vision by queen i'm like this is this is 80s queen this is good stuff and there was a part of me that thought, didn't Queen do this whole soundtrack? Like, nope, that was Flash Gordon. They did the whole soundtrack for that. This was one that they just had that one song on there. But when you get to the the mission itself, I love watching the F sixteens dogfight. And I remember thinking about this later in, in life, watching both this and Top Gun in in similar time frames, like within a month or two of each other, re watching them and I thought the F-16, it's such a smaller aircraft, it's lighter, it feels more agile than the F-14. The F-14 feels a lot heavier, like it's straight, it's like boom, and you know, you can still dogfight, yes, and we see some amazing stuff happening in Top Gun, but I thought that the cinematography gave the F-16 a lot more room, literally and metaphorically, to just sort of show itself off, so you see there are sequences where there's no music score or soundtrack and you get to see the f-16 do a dive or a, a rollout i can't i don't know the, the maneuver what it's called following the mig or vice versa and you hear the meow, meow, and it's like okay we're we're with these guys we're in the air with them when doug starts shooting down everything you just lost a refinery i'm like yeah you did go ahead shoot it up you know and then he makes that really really bad line they're gonna be importing oil this year i thought was just a lot of fun and this is one of those suspending your disbelief where he's just destroying everything. I mean, how much ammo does he have left? But what I thought was interesting is by the time we get to the end of that sequence, that actually matters. He doesn't have a lot of fuel left. He doesn't have any, he has like one missile left or two missile left. He's got like 400 rounds. Like, okay. So it's not like, like video games where you have an unlimited amount of actual like rounds of ammo. You have a limited amount of of uh you know missiles but this is one where we get that small tension and he sees five aircraft coming in is like oh my gosh we're gonna have we're gonna go down and he's like There are ours dad they're Americans I'm like yes they are awesome there was a moment where Krisha was asking me because she wasn't as familiar with the movie she said does Chappie die and I said I don't really want to tell you babe he goes oh does that mean he does I said he gets shot down and that's all I said <laughs> Because I was like, I'm not going to lie to you. And then she looks at me when, when he shows up later. I said, I didn't tell you he died. I just said he got shot down. And so it's moments like that that I thought give that last half of the movie a lot more, a little bit more weight, a little bit more significance. They make the mission not feel as cheesy, even though the bad guy is clearly a mustache twirler. He has no redeeming value whatsoever. The way he delivers his lines, you know, calling the Americans Peaks, you know, (laughs) know, smoking his cigar and or that cigarette thing. It's it's very much like if I want a mustache twirling villain, this is the guy, the type of guy I want because he's who you want to hate. He doesn't need any roundness to him. He's as flat as a pancake. And I'm totally okay with that because it allows for me to be patriotic and say, go kick his butt, Doug. (laughs) I wish that sequence had lasted longer because he's clearly a great pilot. I wish that that had taken up a lot of the backside of the mission. So he gets his dad off the ground, shoots the first two guys down quickly. And then that dude, we spend maybe five or six minutes with him in a dog fight, getting Doug hurt. You know, I thought that that could have been kind of cool because he's been built up as like, Oh yeah, I'm a pilot. And you know, get out of that flight suit now. And I'm like, all right, he's going to bust some heads and he'll last for maybe two minutes because this 17-year-old kid who spent a lot of time in the simulator is going to be able to take him down. So aside from that, though, it was a lot of fun. And my wife, (laughs) it's so funny, we're in 2022, they get back home and all the things that the reporter's talking about are complete lies. (laughs) He's like, you know, that was funny. Yeah,
1: was giggling.
0: And I'm like, this is probably what the government's doing to us. They're telling us all these lies, like, this didn't happen, and this didn't happen, and we're laughing about it, my wife's looking at me going, this is probably what's really happening. We're being told that this is going on when it's actually
1: not. We're being told well, it's that also this really is something that- dumb. I think that's what makes it funny, is that it's yeah, really stupid. They're like, Doug Masters, who his son, his teenage son, who flew over to accompany him <laughs> home- What? What? <laughs> what? what- person on earth thinks that that would have happened so that you know and the way that his buddies are congratulating him I'm, like on the tarmac i mean they're like yeah dog's back like you took a vacation according to the world and i don't know yeah, it's why just, are you getting so excited and <laughs> chappy why is chappy i mean i don't know it just anyway it was i love that whole sequence because it was so ridiculous <laughs> i was just laughing my butt off just like you thinking yeah, this is exactly what the. This is, this is just how stupid of a cover up. Like, this is. Government would do it that way. And it wouldn't make sense if you really thought about it for a second critically, but you would just believe it because they told you that and move on.
0: Right. <laughs> oh, man. It's just, yeah, ridiculousness all over the place.
1: <laughs> well, is.
0: before we finish up, Aaron, um, if you had anything else, I was going to ask you this movie does have a sequel. In fact, it has three sequels. Whoa. And I wasn't sure if you were familiar with any or all of them, uh, because up till I think maybe about half a decade ago, I only thought there was the one. And then I discovered that Lewis Gossett Jr. actually headlines three more. And I'm like, where did Doug go? (laughs) I guess they found out who the real star was. And they were like, let's just milk this cow for all it's worth. But our, uh, I, I, have you seen any of them? Or are you familiar with any of them?
1: I knew there was a sequel called Iron Eagle 2, and that was it. I was not aware that there were more. I did find Iron Eagle 2 on HBO Max, so I was a little bit surprised by that, because from all I understood, it was a direct-to-video thing, probably. I don't know if it actually was. Maybe it wasn't. Now that I know the box office, maybe it actually made it into the theaters as well, but I didn't know it had Chappie in it or who it has in it. I don't know anything about it, and since it's on HBO Max, I've been planning that tonight once we finish recording, that's what I'm going to do, is I'm going to go check out Iron Eagle too. so I'm excited. Maybe I'll do like a live Twitter thread of my thoughts as I go through it or something, but That'll be fun. Who, cares? I might Who cares if I... You can read it in the morning. Who cares if I spoil <laughs> Iron Eagle 2, right? But no, I didn't know there was like a third or, or more than that. That is really... My, I mean, I, without having seen Iron Eagle 2, I guess I can't truly comment as to whether I feel there should have been more or not. But I would say I think I'm going to be pretty surprised that <laughs> they kept going. It's weird that they we, would milk that.
0: Yeah, well, I... I Again, it's not even a top 25, top 50 uh, gross earnings for that year. So I guess they found a lot of momentum in the home video market like they did for several 80s movies. But it does raise the question. We talked about this last week with The Last Starfighter. Of course, we're covering Top Gun Maverick, the the legacy sequel uh, next week. What do you think about the idea of a true sequel to this or a legacy to Iron Eagle. Do you think it it merits something like that? Would that be something you want to see?
1: Absolutely not. I wouldn't at all want to see this revisited in any way. I don't even really want to see the sequel. I'm going to watch it out of a sheer just curiosity. I wouldn't have sought it out. You know what I mean? Like it's on HBO Max, it's staring me in the face, and I feel like it's one of those things where there will never be a moment in my life other than when we just finished talking about this movie together on the podcast that I would be more likely to want to watch it. So I'm going to ride the high. I'm going to take a shot now and see what it's all about. But I do not think this movie was good enough to warrant that. It was a great little filler. Funny, cool. It it had its time in the 80s. I don't think it would work the same way today. If they were going to do something, I just like new stuff. I mean, that's usually going to be my answer for almost everything is, if you want to make a story about with the same general premise, like Armada, right? Same general premise in, in that's just kind of tangential to this of there's a kid who somehow has to go rescue his parent because the modern military isn't doing it. I think it would look very different in 2022. Make that movie. Don't call it Iron Eagle. Don't make it have tie-in characters. Don't Try to recreate things so that is. There's a scene where someone's racing. I don't even know what the 2022 vehicle equivalent would be, but like, I don't need to see the exact same things replicated. That's what I don't want, Patrick. But I would always be down for another <laughs> aviation fighter pilot-based type story. We don't get nearly enough of them, in my opinion. So, yeah, bring that on. Just, I don't think it needs to be Iron Eagle specific.
0: No, I agree. I think that it is fine where it lives. It's fun to revisit, as though the folks on Retro Rewind, Retro Rewind, why do they have that kind of tongue-twisting name? Whatever. Francisco, you stink. Uh, No, on those, they they vote uh, what it should be, and I would say this is one of those either classic, nostalgic, or tragic. It would probably lean more into the nostalgic for me. This is one that I would definitely revisit. Probably wouldn't recommend somebody who's never seen it to watch it more than once, because it's not a movie that wows you, but it definitely grabs my attention just because of all the connections that I have with it. Leave it where it is. It's, it's fine. We'll time capsule that one and we'll leave it there. Well, that'll wrap up this edition of Feeling Film. Next week, we hit the runway hard, tackle that legacy sequel, Top Gun Maverick, finally. I believe it's in theaters. It will be in theaters. I'm going to believe it when I sit down and see the credits roll. Feel the same way about the flash that apparently continues to elude me. That I'm excited. Aaron, I know you're excited. We're both excited to talk about this movie. So please tune in for that one. Make sure you watch the movie because that's going to be one I think the conversation is going to get really, really good. Anyway, that'll do it for us. Aaron, thanks for another great
1: conversation. We'll talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show Grow our community of listeners like you.
0: We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook
1: discussion group.
0: A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way.
1: If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at Phelan or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat.
0: And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not
1: miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive
0: and keep feeling film.